Legacy Legal Live, hosted by Kendra O'Toole, Michelle Reed, and Elizabeth Caruso of Legacy Legal Planning, is a show about discussing your estate plans, options, and answering your questions. Call in at 781-834-9639 and start your lifelong partnership covered by benefits that you've earned through proper legacy planning. Now here's your hosts, Kendra, Michelle, and Elizabeth. Good evening. Thank you for joining us at Legacy Legal Live. It is Kendra O'Toole. I have here with me today, Michelle Reed, Elizabeth Caruso, and Michelle Woodbury. We are excited to have Michelle Woodbury here as our guest from Two Sisters Senior Living Advisors. And Michelle, if you could just give us a bit of an introduction about yourself. Sure. Um, well, my name is Michelle and I have a younger sister named Allison and we are the two sisters of Two Sisters Senior Living Advisors. We are a senior living referral and consulting agency and we have been, um, we're in our 13th year. So we've been kicking around for a little while uh, in Massachusetts, helping families understand what care options are best suited to uh, what they're looking for, what they're hoping to find, um, but also what is realistic and um, from home care to assisted livings. And although our goal is to really try to help people stay out of nursing homes as as much as possible, if it is necessary, then um, to provide coaching around uh, nursing home transition as well. Wonderful. Thank you. And so for those of you that are listening tonight, as you could gather, we're going to be talking about some assisted living and the nursing homes and kind of getting some advice when you are in that situation and need some more care at home. And so, of course, we are going to do some Mythbusters through our show, as we normally do as well. Liz, do you want to kick off the first question? Sure. So, Michelle, um, what is... What is your background and how did your company start? Well, that is a very lengthy answer. So I will sum it up. I will, I will shorten it, but um, to us. we want to hear it all. <laughs> well, so my sister and I were born um, and uh, no, really that's part of the story. So um, our parents, our dad was a nursing home administrator and our mother was um, a geriatric physical therapist and that's how they met. Uh, he was her boss. And um, then my Ooh, uh, maybe that's another show that is you know, <laughs> back, in the, back in the 70s, it was like way more acceptable to date and marry your your boss. Um, but then maybe there were other dynamics. Anyway, um, so, yes, I think that I grew up in the nursing home industry. I didn't go to daycare. Uh, my sister and I grew up um, going to nursing homes and uh, painting ceramic and, you know, hanging out with, with the, the seniors. And, um, that really shaped my perspective on, on my place in the, in the world and, and different from, I think many people in, in my cohort. And then I'm an activities director by background. That's what I went to college for. And my sister, Allison and I, our paths have crossed a few times in uh, this in the senior living world um, in, in different capacities. So at one point we were both working at Sunrise Assisted Living of Boulder, Colorado, um, and I was the activities director, and she was a um, 
caregiver. She was a certified nursing assistant. And again, later on, um, our paths have crossed a, a few different times, but between the two of us, we've done pretty much everything there is to do in assisted living uh, with the exception of the nurse and uh, the, the cook. Yeah. You don't want us cooking. And, uh, but you know, we've, we've done pretty much everything else. And because we overlapped a few times, we knew that we had a dynamic that worked really well together and and for families because we we are family. And um, at some point, I think it was around, I want to say 2006, um, our father was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And I was living in Seattle and she was in Colorado um, or potentially California, either way. Um, I knew that like we would, I would be moving back to Massachusetts. And uh, so I could be closer to them. And, and when I got here, I realized there was a, this whole business model that existed in these places that I lived at out in out West in California and Washington and Colorado that didn't exist here at all. And that was really a, a, advisor to help people find assisted living and home care agencies specifically people can hire aging life care professionals or what we have commonly known as geriatric care managers who are um, social workers or nurses and they definitely have a, a role i refer to them all the time they do a whole lot more than than we do our lane in the highway is a very specific one um, but we can offset the the time and cost of those professionals sometimes and, and many of them do refer to us um, for the um, the in-depth exploration of of the senior living options which is something that I'm really proud of um, you know overall we we built this company you know 13 years ago I don't think we we knew what we were quite getting ourselves into but um th throughout the the past few years we've kind of come to a place where we can offer services Michelle you talked a bit about staying in your lane as a senior advisor can you kind of hone in a little bit on that of exactly what is your lane what do you provide for the for your clients as that senior living advisor perfect um yeah so we are placement specialists and our focus is on finding the the right care i i am a big analogy person and um i i like to look at you know let let's use a, a a road trip analogy and i often pick on denver i don't know why but let's just say we're going on a road trip and the destination is denver but we don't have a map and we do not have a gps and we do not know how many tanks of gas it's going to get we we need to get there and we do not know how much money we have it if we have enough to get you know for the gas to get there are we going to get to denver maybe no. maybe some of us will <laughs> right I, I wouldn't either right but some of us will but what's going to happen well, without is that gps i'm getting nowhere <laughs> yeah right and i would and so we need to i mean i did use a map at one point i'm sure i could like go back and remember how to use a map but either way we don't um, have money we need money <laughs> right. It'll take it will take a lot of wrong turns and it will take a lot longer to get where we're going and it will decrease the chances of us being able to get there. So what do we need to do before we start out? 
You don't just head out to Denver and then be like, okay, like, let's make a plan. And like, cause then you're driving the wrong direction. You don't, you want to. So before you head out and, and go on, you know, towards your destination, look at what, what routes are available and, and like, you know, try to make sense of, of what lies ahead so that you can make good decisions now. And that's what we, that's what I like to think that we do is, is provide the the map or the GPS, if you will, um, to help you figure out one, you know, can you even get to Denver? Um, Do you have enough, you know, gas and money for gas and resources to get to Denver? And if you don't, then, you know, my, my job is to, is to help you kind of understand that your, your goal is one that really can't be achieved exactly the way that you are envisioning it. And, you know, what, what would, what could a compromise look like? Do you want to set out to Denver and end up like in Ohio? Or would you rather like pick a different destination? And maybe there's so many different possibilities, but the writing is sometimes on the wall, as you guys know, um, because I refer back to you to talk about, you know, all of the, the estate planning and I call it a runway. How long can somebody's money last in any different scenario, whether it's with home care at home, whether it's in an assisted living or in a nursing home. So ultimately, my lane involves helping families identify what their what their goal is. What is your aging goal? There's not that many of those. The most common is I want to stay home. Um, the, the second most common, and maybe it's tied, I'm not sure is, um, I don't ever want to go to a nursing home. And then for couples, it's often like, we, we need to stay together. Um, and there's a few others, but those are the, the, the primary three. So, you know, in order to, to get where you're going, you need to define where you want to go. So those goals, that's Denver, that's deciding this is where we're going to go. And then once you know where you're going to go, then we can look at um, the logistics. So the, the primary criteria is care needs, budget, and location. And there are some others. I have a client right now that's vegetarian, so we have to find a, a vegetarian menu. But um, we we look at those factors. We we analyze all of them. We put them together, and we look at what is working, what would work towards that goal, and you know what's going to sort of take you uh, away from from Denver and put some plans in place. And some backup plans. If there's a road closure, we're going to go that way. Um, but but that's essentially what. Um, and I love we're using all these road analogies. That's my lane in the highway. Uh, <laughs> is is uh, is that so? So, right backing up to exactly what you were saying, we have a lot of clients who have these questions, but you're probably well equipped. Can you explain for the audience and some people who might be embarking on this road trip what is you know, some of the differences that you explain to your clients between independent living, assisted living and nursing community, there's a lot of confusion as to sort of, you know, what a family might be looking into. Yeah. Well, I, I do when people call us for uh, and, and sign up for a virtual care consultation, which is about an hour of us doing this. Um, I explain, I do a, a crash course, five minute senior living 101. And it boils down to this is extraordinarily oversimplified, but there are only three types of places that somebody can live in Massachusetts if they cannot live at home independently. And so one of those is home. 
Uh, they can stay at home. They can bring services in. They can, you know, enact their, their support system, whatever they need to do in order to make home the place where they stay. Or it could be the, the home of a loved one, but it's a home setting. And then the second bucket is, uh, or, or type of uh, what I lump together, private pay community care settings. So the independent living, the assisted living, memory care, there's a whole bunch of stuff kind of lopped in there together. And we'll look at that in a, in a second. And then the third category is nursing home care. Now I'm trying to keep people out of having to go to nursing homes, I think, as I think, you know, the goal usually is. So I will prompt the, the question, well, why, why do people live in nursing homes? And it, there's only two reasons why somebody lives in a nursing home long-term because rehab is, is not what I'm talking about here. So long-term, one is if their care needs cannot be met anywhere else. If their care needs are higher than any assisted living can provide or that they can have at home, their needs would have to be met in a nursing home. And there are not that many things um, that uh, some assisted living communities can't do. But the other reason why somebody needs to live in a nursing home is if they can't afford the care they need in any other setting. And so that's where it becomes tricky because a lot of times when somebody does have very high care needs, um, it can be met in assisted living, but it's it's private pay. So if somebody can't afford that, then they can go on to MassHealth and they can go into a nursing home. A nursing home is a, a clinical model. It's a medical model of care. It's a step down from a hospital. There's a big difference. There's nowhere I think more is there a bigger spread between a, a bad nursing home and a good nursing home, um, you know, in terms of restaurants or, or whatever else, like there, there's a big difference between a, a good nursing home and a bad nursing home. And, but even the best nursing homes, it's pretty unmistakable that it's a nursing home when you walk in, you're like, oh, this is a nice nursing home. Um, but but it has a, it has its place and it, it feels like a facility. Right. And that's where you are in a bed, in a room, in a facility and in an assisted living or an independent living. Um, you are renting an apartment. You are a residence, a resident in a residence so you're not a patient. Um, you, it is not a facility. I'm kind of a big stickler on the on the F word um, because I don't ever want to live in a facility. But I'll tell you, some of these communities that I see around, like I, I hope that I can afford to move in there someday. And they're gorgeous, and they are not facilities. Um, they, they are absolutely apartment homes. They are communities. They're residences. So when we look at, at that whole, like there's a lot in that, in that middle bucket. So we're not talking about skilled nursing or nursing homes. We're not talking about mass health and we're not talking about staying at home and the services that would be needed to stay at home. So there's quite a, there's quite a few things in the, in that middle bucket. So independent living is one of them. Um, and there's a few different models even within independent living. So depending on, how independent you are or how long you anticipate being independent for and what that means what is what does that independence look like there are there are different care models but essentially most of them include um the the apartment with the utilities um so sometimes um cable and phone are extra but it in, they all include um well 
the majority of them include a meal a day and often a meal and also like a continental breakfast uh, or something. And they, they so they have um, additional meals that are available, uh, but not all they're included. And there's the activities and there's uh, you know, our social engagements. It's not just, you know, bingo anymore. It's, you know, they're doing all, all sorts of continuing education uh, opportunities. People move into independent living is is a choice. Um, it is usually not need based. It's uh, unlike all the other decisions that are within the realm of what I work with. People who call us and are looking at independent living just don't want to manage their home. You know, and and again, a lot of cases, they, the home is too much, and they don't want to deal with it. They have stairs. They don't want to deal with. And so they're proactively wanting to move into a community. But the other ones, assisted living and, and nursing home care, that's are really more of a need-based decision. Um, assisted living is a lot like independent living, but care is available. Three meals a day is included, the utilities, all, all of that stuff, but also care is available. And one of the biggest myths, and I, I know that you have myth busters coming up, but you know, one of the biggest myths is that assisted living is so expensive. And that isn't a myth. I mean, it is expensive. I'm not saying that, but it is it is the least expensive of all of the options when we're looking for somebody who needs 24-hour supervision. So I'll I'll did I answer you know, sort of that, the layout of those questions. And then your memory care falls in with the assisted living um, bucket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were, um, our first myth was going to be, you know, nursing homes and assisted livings are the same thing, which clearly they are not. And I will say from talking to clients myself, that's probably one of the biggest things that people get confused with because, you know, they say, you know, um, you know, I want to go to, you know, I don't want to go to a nursing home and, and I'm like, well, you know, most people don't, that's, you know, that's true. And, you know, they say things like I can't afford it, blah, blah, blah. And what they really don't know is that assisted livings and nursing homes are clearly not the same thing. And as you described, not even the same model, um, and it's right. interesting because a lot of people call and ask me, we do some coaching because the adult children are trying to get their parents to buy in and agree to consider doing this. And if what they're picturing in their mind is a nursing home, then the adult children are, are you know, it's, it's what, what is it that we're trying to do? So it's, it's helping the, the person who's going to be moving or we're looking to understand the differences between a nursing home and an assisted living. Um, mm -hmm. Because one is an, is, a, you know, I have to do this. And the other one is I get to do this. Yeah. And um, I know that we as attorneys often uh, go and uh, visit assisted livings when they open or when we have um, clients that we're meeting there and we take tours just to be, you know, knowledgeable as to what's in the area. Um, I know that we often are referring to your company to help like when the decision actually needs to be made. And I, you had mentioned the costs of, um, of senior living and some of these places, I mean, you talked about that they have activities, but like 
a day's worth of activities. Like you could do a wine tasting in the afternoon or you, you know, it's not just bingo. They're taking trips to Encore or to Twin River to actually go to casinos or they're going to the movies and yeah. they're doing all sorts of awesome things. Um, can you speak to, you know, how you get through the the conversation of the cost? Because I know that like, it takes a lot of comparing what you're spending at home and the cost of your home versus the, you know, monthly output for assisted living. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it, it depends on who I'm having the conversation with, but a lot of folks who um ha- are looking at, you know, not right away, um, <laughs> then it becomes a question of, of planning for the, the what if, you know, I'm putting, putting a seatbelt on because we're not heading out to try to get into an accident. But if it happens, we want to know that we're minimizing the impact of that. Um, so that that's, that's one way to begin, you know, getting the conversation going. But I think if we look at what is the goal, we go back to what is the goal, if the goal is to stay home, then we look at what are the elements that are needed for for the most people to stay at home and and anything you know extra that i happen to know about about that person and, and their search their circumstance like they don't have any family in the area or um you know any any number of those things so we look at what will it take to make home successful and i think that's a really important word because in our head though we're thinking oh i just want to stay home i just want to stay home and you like you just want to stay home like in and Yes, if you ask people this well, before you go into the conversation, you know, at your detriment, they're going to say, yeah, I want to stay home no matter what. Um, but the truth is, is that people want to stay home successfully. And so what is going to make home successful? In addition to the home care, the, the coordination of the home care, knowing what you're going to do if somebody calls out or if it can't be staffed or any number of those things, it's, you know, all the bill paying, it's the meal preparation, it's procurement of, of the food and the meals and paying the bills and property taxes. And, you know, there, there's just, there's a lot of, of moving parts that, in that, are necessary to stay home. And if somebody is not independent, those parts still need to be moving. So how, who's going to be moving them? How is this going to happen? And if we do that, and it looks like there's a few red flags, sometimes they're big red flags. Like, yeah, you don't have the money to do this. Like there's no, there's no way around this. Like you have less than a year ability to stay, to stay in your home. The numbers just don't add up. Then, you know, we can have all the conversations we want about what they would like to have. But the truth is, is that this is what we have to work with. The reality is. Um, So I, I think that if it's since home is usually and if home doesn't look like it's going to be possible or maybe it looks like it's going to be possible but there should be a backup plan especially if there are couples um and this is where i think you know you guys not that you're not important always but if there's one cup if there's a couple and one spouse has care needs and the other one has less care needs there's it's really really important how they plan and make these decisions ahead of time so um, but I think that if we identify that staying home is the absolute goal, then we can look at, you know, does the road from here go 
to, to there? Is it Denver? Can you even get there from here? Um, and then if if second to that, if, if home isn't going to work, then then what do you want to have happen? I never want to go to a nursing home. Okay. Well, what will be needed in order to not go to a nursing home? And what would that cost? And when we do those numbers, it turns out that not going to a nursing home, not staying at home ends up being less expensive. I said that the wrong way, but going to an assisted living ends up being less expensive than staying home and much easier to coordinate. Um, and there's a little bit of a assurance knowing that, you know, in the community setting, if there is a call out or if something happens, there's this, this backup support system. So um, I think when we look at what everything costs, and what everything is that we need, and we do the math, it speaks for itself. Wonderful. Why don't we jump into a little bit of what exactly can a family expect when they reach out to you? Who, I know you mentioned the adult children, but exactly kind of who do you end up meeting with and what can a family expect when they're trying to meet with you and determine what's best for their loved ones? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it is typically the adult children that we are working with. Um, I do often have people who inquire for themselves or for a spouse, but I would say the the vast majority of people we work with are the the adult children. M- many cases because they're the people who do need this aren't the ones that are willing to begin the process or engage in the process until we we kind of go about it. But people um, sh- should call us. They can schedule a free introductory conversation right from our website um, or give us a call. And then we'll get a sense of what's going on. You know, what, what prompted the call today? Are you, is this something that's needed like this week or are you looking for six months in advance? And, and what, what's the primary like goal of, of, um, why you're reaching out. And then based on on that, then what usually happens is we schedule what's called a virtual care consultation. And then the virtual care consultation, we really get to the bottom of what is what is your goal and what is the budget and what does the the situation look like? What are the location preferences? A lot of times we don't have any flexibility with regard to what our care needs are, and we don't have a lot of flexibility with regard to with regard to what our budget is. So location becomes the variable that is is most flexible. And so if we can't find what we're looking for and and for somebody in a certain area, then one of the things we can do is is begin to look you know farther away. There, there's a bunch of uh, different um, things that we can do. So in this virtual care consultation, we kind of flush out like what are the finances that and where are they? Are they in a trust? And what was your intention with the trust? And and what are, you know are you what's all happening with that? And if they don't know, um, then I say you know you need an elder law attorney, and um, we talk a little bit about what what questions should be asked. But um, but essentially we look at you know the budget. I don't have a crystal ball. I really wish every day I woke up and and it would just appear here, um, but I don't. So anticipating somebody's care needs is is virtually impossible. But if they have a diagnosis of some kind um, or you know certain things, we we can make some reasonable predictions about what their care might look like in the future. And so you know knowing that we we can take some considerations. So location, budget, and care needs. And when we look at all of those things, if it is a nursing home, 
if somebody does in fact need nursing home care because their care needs are too high or they do not have the finances to pay privately, then our coaching, uh, that call becomes like a coaching call. And I will go through, um, I remember what I was going to say earlier, I'll go through with the client on the nursing home compare website and we'll look at the data behind how these nursing homes are rated through the nursing home compare website. It is just a starting point. It is not the end all be all, but when we look at, um, if we compare several facilities all at once and we look at the staffing ratios, for example, and then we compare it with the Massachusetts state average, it literally like rises off the page, which facilities are, are staffing better. And almost always that correlates to their quality measures. Um, but sometimes it doesn't. And so, you know, I plant that red flag and that's, you know, I'm going to ask that facility about it. Like you have all the staff, but you're falling, your fall ratio is still really high. Like, can you explain that? Like you can pick up a lot of information. So what I was going to say before, when I sort of lost my train of thought is that I'm proud of the fact that we've gotten to this place where we can offer completely objective advice. Um, people will ask us our opinion. What's your opinion on this nursing home? What's your opinion? And like, honestly, my opinion is a completely irrelevant to you. Um, it has nothing to do with your particular situation. I can tell you what I've heard um, from my clients over all these years, but more importantly, let me let me help you come up with some questions that you can ask from the facility or from the community that will help you see whether this is the right place for you or not. And so, you know, it, it really isn't about um the, the, the type of coaching that we provide or, or the type of advice and guidance isn't, um, I am opinionated, but that's not why people are, are, are engaging in, in our services. You're in um, good company here, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So did that answer that question? Yes, it did. And with that, I think this is a good time to, take a break uh we will be back after these messages at wmex legacy legal live do you believe in magic you will sunday night november 12th at 7 p.m when the lynn auditorium comes alive with the musical magic of the all-american rock and roll spectacular featuring the love and spoonful the brooklyn bridge some great musical memories one night only sunday night november 12th at the lynn auditorium save money by calling direct in the auditorium box office at 781-599-SHOW or go online at lynnauditorium.com the all-american rock and roll spectacular with the love and spoonful the brooklyn bridge and jay and the american sunday night november 12th at 7 p.m at the lynn auditorium are you mourning the loss of a loved one due to substance use sadod.org support after a death by overdose, is hosting its annual Finding Connections in Grief conference Friday, October 20th through Sunday, October 22nd at the Sheraton Framingham Hotel and Conference Center. 
Join people who are bereaved as they come together to find courage, hope, healing, and community. The Finding Connections in Grief Conference, Friday, October 20th through Sunday, October 22nd at the Sheraton Framingham Hotel and Conference Center. Reserve your spot right now, sadod.org. That's sadod.org. We are a staple in the neighborhood. Most of our customers have been coming here since they were children for 75 years. It's been the Fowler House since 1946. And so there's a lot of memories here. And so when people think of Quincy Center, they do think of the Fowler House. We're in our 43rd year here at the Fowler House, and we haven't changed much. We are going to add a few new menu items. We're going to spruce up some of the ones that we already have on the menu. We're going to improve on a few appetizers, adding pulled pork to the menu permanently on the sandwich side, adding Italian sandwich. So it's going to broaden the sandwich offerings. We're also going to add a special burger in the name of someone at WMEX. We're going to roll out a new drink list, adding some ball flavors for the next few months, winter flavors, and then some permanent items such as some new margaritas, bourbon smashes, old fashions, kind of get back to that traditional uh, cocktail menu. Fowler House Cafe located at 1049 Hancock Street and online at thefowlerhousecafe.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and you can of course hear us on the airwaves at 1510 WMEX. All right, and we are back with Legacy Legal Live. It's Kendra O'Toole, Michelle Reed, and Elizabeth Caruso, and we have the honor of having our guest, Michelle Woodbury of Two Sisters Senior Living Advisors. And we have a few more questions for her. We're not letting her go unscathed here, but uh, Elizabeth, you had some questions, so let's kick it over to you. Yeah, so right before the break, um, Michelle was talking about what um, families can expect when she is first meeting with them and speaking with them. And I know before you had talked about that you, you know, when you're looking for facilities, you have people who have sometimes specific criteria, um, you know, that you have currently a vegan client or excuse me, a vegetarian client. Um, Yeah, that would be really tough. (laughs) I'm curious as to, you know, what are specific asks that people are looking for and how, you know, into the minutia can we get? So I know like, some assistive living facilities are more active than others. Some have a younger clientele versus an older clientele. I've heard, you know, of underground poker rooms in some assisted living facilities. So if you can speak to like some of the like really specific things you've been asked along the way. Well, I'm not supposed to talk about the underground poker. Yeah, it's like Fight Club, We don't right? talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they all they all vary. Um, even within the same company, like I, I often will talk about how there's two different stoppage shops. One's you know one direction and the other's the other from where I live, and one of them has far better produce, um, but everything is more expensive. The canned goods are more expensive, <clears throat> and the other one, you know, it, they're the same company, but they but they function differently. So we can't make the assumption. <clears throat> excuse me. That go ahead and take a drink. <clears throat> I talk talking for a I talk for a living. It's an occupational hazard. We can't make the assumption that just because a community is part of a, a particular company that it's operating, that they all operate the same. So I think that's 
that's one thing. And, and it's sort of geographically driven um, with regard to the cost. It's similar to real estate. So the more affluent areas cost more. And um, based on the the culture of the people who tend to live in that demographic, the activities are geared towards what they like. Um, the, you know, the activity director shouldn't be sitting there being like, well, what activities do I want to do this month? Like they should be looking at like, what, what activities do my residents want this month? And so, you know, yes, in certain places, they're reenacting plays and they're going to wine tastings and they're, you know, I mean, just a, a lot of really vibrant, very cultural, intellectual type um, programming that um, appeals to some people. And, and there are pockets of places that that offer those types. And then most fall in the middle where they have um, guest lecturers and they have trips to special things like the, the symphony. They're not going out all the time, um, but they have, you know, artists in residence and, and things that are going on that are more than just bingo and, and, and the crafts. Um, and there are some communities that, you know, still are a little behind in the robust programming area, but there's, you know, there's not nothing to do. There's always of stuff going on, but I think that um, it varies a lot. And some of the hot buttons have to do with programming either way. I have clients who are really, um, I wanted to say self-isolating, but are um, introverted and, and don't really want to be part of. And so one of their concerns in, in um, thinking about moving into a community like this is, well, she's just not social. Um, and and to be honest with you, like I'm not either. So like when the time comes that I do move into a community like this, it's going to be important to me to know that I can have my own space. I I can close the door to my apartment and be alone and then choose to engage in something if I, if I want to. Like going on a cruise, there's all sorts of activities going on, but if all I want to do is sit on my balcony, then that, that should be my right. So people who move into these communities have the choice of what of whether they engage in or not. But part of what I specialize, part of what we specialize in doing is helping people find the right culture. Um, if, if you're the kind of person that wants to go to the MFA and all, you know, then let's not have you go to a, a community where bingo is, is the main activity. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the biggest parts of this journey is finding the right fit, because I've seen so many people who have clients who've had, you know, or who have family members who've had horrible assisted living experiences because they didn't try to find the right fit ahead of time. They went where it was down the street or what was most affordable right. or something like that. And, you know, they didn't use their roadmap to Denver and they ended up in Texas yeah. and right. you know, lo and behold, they didn't belong in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> right. And there are so many different, um, that criteria that, that help drive 
what somebody's decision. So, you know, the, in terms of um, specifics, like I, I have so many, like I have somebody who uh, needed a Russian speaking caregivers and, you know, the, the diet is, is specific. Sometimes it's a puree diet or, or, you know, low salt or, you know, vegetarian or kosher. Um, I've had a number of, of um, people who, who need uh, or who uh, require a kosher kitchen and, and a kosher diet. There are people who want underground parking, who want a pool, um, you know, but pets is another one. Um, and I just, I want to say that a lot of people don't know this, but with regard to assisted living and independent living communities, in almost every circumstance, your pets are welcome uh, to come with you. There's usually a limit. I did one point move somebody in with four pets but I that was way that was very unique um but but cats and dogs as long as the the person can care for the pet themselves or hire somebody to do it then um pets are, are welcome at almost any of these communities but but there those are some of the specific uh things proximity to doctors uh I want to be near this hospital or you know or that but the those are the most common um, other things that that I think are really important to people, but they're really important and they should definitely be taken into consideration. Um, and I, I think what you were saying earlier about, you know, choosing the closest place. A lot of times these decisions happen quickly and sort of in a crisis, like you don't really plan ahead because people don't really want to plan ahead. And when you're given a list of places to have to choose from in a short amount of time, if the name looks familiar because you drive by it fairly regularly, like that's something and people will, will go ahead. And my, my opinion, the, the, you know, here's my opinion part of it, but it boils down to the fact that like, there's no perfect whether it's it's daycare or restaurant service or whatever, like nothing is ever perfect. It is ever implemented exactly the way that we intended it to. And so we're not looking for perfect. Don't look for the the a situation that is exactly the way that you want it to be. Meet with the management, meet with the executive director or the administrator, even if it's just for a few minutes, and not just the marketing person, because when a problem arises, this is the person who is ultimately responsible for making sure that it's resolved. And that's what you need is you need some level of comfort. You know, it's hard to know ahead of time. Again, that crystal ball I don't have, but you need some level of comfort that when a situation arises, this person is going to, to step up and, and to take care of it. We coach our clients on using a technique called behavioral interviewing, which if you've ever learned about that in terms of hiring, um, uh, is usually used in the employment realm. But but you're interviewing, a family's interviewing that executive director or administrator uh, on behalf of that whole community. They're giving them an interview and they should ask questions that force them to give specific answers before you know, like, you know, tell, tell me about, um, a resident who, uh, well, so I give, I give a common, uh, example. I, I use a lot, but if somebody, and I actually have this happening right now, again, I have a client who has aphasia, which, you know, has come to light lately because Bruce Willis has, 
aphasia as well. And, and there's a couple different types of aphasia. There's, you know, not understanding what is being spoken to you and there's not being able to speak to say what it is you're trying to say, but you do understand. And so um, I have a client who cannot, it's word soup. Everything that comes out is complete gibberish, but, but she understands what she's trying to say. And so, um, and her daughter's been caring for her all this time. And um, she's having a real hard time with the idea that someone else is going to be able to provide the the uh, level of care, the quality care um, that she that she has been able to without her mom being able to express her thoughts. So I suggested that she ask, and there was a couple different places she was looking at it, ask the administrator, ask the executive director, tell me about a time, tell me about a resident you've had living here either currently or in the recent past who had aphasia and how did you help them communicate their needs? Like that, that is the, it's the way you structure the question around what your concerns are that, <clears throat> and ask them to paint a picture for you of how they handled the situation that was not ideal in the past, because that will give you an indication as to how they'll handle it in the future, but not just their answer. It's how they answer it. Um, right. If somebody's not comfortable answering a question, you can tell. And, and that is, that's an indicator to me in my, in my opinion, that if you're, I was going to move my loved one into that community, that maybe the, this management is not quite as, um, that's a red flag. It is. It is a red flag. Um, so these, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot that, that goes into that, but, um, I know I have such lengthy answers to your questions. <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> I like how you go say, don't just speak to the sales rep, you know, because, you know, they have a job to do. And of course it's to, to create the best light for that situation. Um, but just that one small detail is vital. And in the way that you're posing those questions can make all the difference in finding what seemingly seems like a fantastic situation, but in reality might not end up that way. And everything that you've been talking about has alluded to this next question, but I think it's so relevant to our field as well. So we are no strangers to the um, the commercials, the 1-800, the, the DIY situation. We get those questions posed to us a lot. Well, okay, can I download a will off the internet and, and will that suffice? And, you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should and, and all of those sorts of things. But in, in your field, and you've you've spoken so beautifully to it, but I think it, it poses the question of, of just having it in, in your words. How does How do you differ from the so-called 1-800 services that, you know, claim to be able to do similar things to what you do what what makes you completely set apart in in that regard well i think those services are 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 fine for some people um if that's if that's what you want I and mean, i laugh cuz i was thinking about like 1-800 dentist is that still a thing it might still be a thing i don't even know um <laughs> but but some people just they want they're more of do it yourself um but I think that what you were saying before is like they they have a very simplified map, right? They're not looking at at the all the whole the whole picture. And so Okay. So what sets you apart from these so-called one eight hundred situations? 
yeah. So um, I think that they are the right fit for some people. Um, you absolutely, if you want to sort of do it yourself, then you can. But the it's easy to just look for a list of places that you don't really understand what the differences are. And yes, you can do it yourself. People do it themselves all the time. I'm going to plan a trip to Denver and I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to figure out, you know, how I'm going to go each turn. Um, And and people have been traveling that way forever. Um, But is it the most effective and as a as an adult child of aging parents and and people who are are resistant to the idea of not being independent one of our focuses is redefining um we're reframing what independence means and in many cases we we lead we have to lead by example independence doesn't mean we can do it all on our own it means we're we're utilizing the resources that we have at our disposal and bringing in experts in in a particular area so the the idea of of hiring a company like mine um and you know we're we're the best at what we do but uh, uh, the idea of com- hiring a company like mine would be to um do you remember the triptychs am i i'm i'm older but like um triptych i like you wouldn't be hiring me to give you your map to lay out what your turns are going to look like and and how what your choices might be like if you if you decide to go on that scenic route then you're going to end up here um it's more than just offering a list with a name of communities they're they're hard to compare with each other um because some of them include some care and some of them are all card and some of them have packages some of them are buy in and I can we can break it down so that we can compare the uh, the apples with the oranges and which which care model which staffing model most makes sense because each one of the way that the one that the way that these places the way that these places price themselves um, is a direct reflection of their staffing model and how they staff is a direct reflection of, of their, their philosophy on, on how they care for the residents. So um, we, we can take a look at what's, what's the, what's the best fit um, for each person, right? So it varies. It really varies a lot by, by person. Um, So, that's another thing I think that var- that is um, different from us is that we are not we're not a franchise. Um, we we are consultants that live and, and work here in Massachusetts. We were born here in Massachusetts and um, you just can't, you know, that that's not replicable. We can change what what it is we need to do for each client that calls us based on what what their needs are and how we can best meet them. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, you, you said it perfectly, but you know, you're not a matchmaking service. That's very easy to do. Pull up some statistics in the area, location, you know, plug some numbers in, but you are in the thick of it. You and your team are going in and speaking to these directors and, and all of that. And I think with us as professionals, it makes the world of difference when we're working with clients to refer your your company that we're, we're in trusted hands and we know that you're going the extra leg uh, in, in that regard. Yeah, thank you. And one of the things that we do also, we can do, 
for many people who have been inquiring uh, or visiting uh, many of these places, as you mentioned, you know, the the job of the marketing director is to sort of paint this picture of of how lovely things are going to be. But, you know, it is a job that is a sales job. And, and I did that job for many, 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 many years. And there's, so, you know, a regional person and a corporate person who is, you know, look, checking and seeing how many phone calls they've made um, that week and have they followed up with so-and-so. And, and like, so they're well-intentioned, uh, but there are a lot of marketing calls. If you look at, at four or five different assisted living communities, for example, you know, there, there's lots and lots and lots of marketing calls. So one of the benefits to working with us is that if you are not looking forward to having all of those calls and you or emails, then you, our clients do not have to share their personal information when they start their search. They can just say that they are a client of Two Sisters Senior Living Advisors. The communities do not have to like it, but they can put a, us in as the contact. And, and then once the time comes where somebody knows um, that they are leaning towards a particular community, assessments are being done, then at that point, you know, it's a little awkward for me to still be in the middle. So um, I'll, I'll make sure that information is exchanged at that time. But that's a huge benefit, I think, for a lot of people. Um, they they don't, we, we can shield them from unnecessary marketing calls. So you've gotten into a little bit of, you know, kind of that roadmap of getting them to the place that's best for them. And then do you, are there some people after you that you connect your clients with, whether it's maybe with the move or, you know, just to continue on on this process and this roadmap that they're currently on? Yeah, absolutely. I I hope that I can provide, that we, we can provide any, uh, or all of the resources that that somebody may need. And again, staying in the thread of being objective, we sometimes do refer, um, you know, companies directly like you guys, but we also give out the trade organization, we give out NALA. And so we may give out um, the name of a local move manager, but we also give out the um, National Association of Senior Move. And we explain that it's, you know, this isn't, again, end all be all, but but we know that the people who are in this trade organization meet a minimum number of CEUs each year and ethical criteria. So it's a good place to start. Um, but yeah, whether it's uh, augmenting the home uh, for aging in place, stair lifts and, and bathroom renovations to um, home care, companion services, all the way through, you know, nursing and, and skilled nursing, lawyers, financial planners, realtors, um, you, you name it. And if I don't know somebody, then I know somebody who knows somebody and uh, I, I can get you in touch with uh, of, with what it is you need. But that is that is the idea is that I will we will help you figure out where it is you want to go and what it is needed in order to get there and then get you started. I know we're coming up on um, the end of our, our talk with you tonight. And um, I want to make sure that you are able to hammer home that um, you are a Massachusetts company. Um, you, you know, you said that with what sets you apart that you are, mm -hmm. um, you know, you and your sister are from Massachusetts. I know that you said that you 
spent some time out west and you know this whole time we've been talking about going to denver um (laughs) (laughs) that's true that's true you have to bring it back to the south shore at some point so can you speak to your um what your company does um or your company's connection to massachusetts and your you know you and your sister so we we grew up on the south shore and our dad uh like i said earlier uh was an administrator of nursing homes around here and then he built his own uh nursing homes so for many years um you know he that was his passion and and we've all at one point worked for at least one of his facilities um at some point all right and michelle how can uh people get a hold of two sisters senior living advisors uh, well, we are highly Googleable. <laughs> um, it's, it's the number two. I know it's the number two and sisters, and we usually come right up. But if you go to our website, which is www. two sisters again, the number two dash sla com, there are uh, many places on the website you can book a time to speak with one of us an introductory call that's the easiest way um, is to find a time in our calendar that works for you and we can just get started and and get a sense of of what it is that you're hoping we can do for you and um go from there and if people wanted to learn a little bit even more deeper than what we've talked about today i believe you mentioned earlier that you have a podcast can you give us some information on that Yeah, absolutely. Um, So it was a little over a year ago, uh, somebody suggested that we have more content on our on our website. And so we were like, well, let's start a podcast and each episode will be more content put on. And it wasn't really related to this is what we know about senior living. It was more of like, because we have our aging parents and our dad has Parkinson's and and our, our mother lives with us. And I have a 10 year old and or she's gonna be 11 tomorrow actually and um all all of the things um that we that we manage and um the podcast is more a reflection of that than it is it, it does it combines that with our with our sort of behind the scenes knowledge but it talks about we talk about what it's like being in the in the sandwich generation and what's interesting is that it's, it's really taken off like a lot more than either of us expected that it would and i have people like i'm on the phone with people and they'll quote me back <laughs> you said in your podcast and i'm like I, I did. did see that. Um, and like, you I've had a couple said. of random people come up to me at tables at, you know, the conferences and stuff and say, oh, I listened to your podcast. And like, that's pretty, it's pretty cool. Like I didn't that. So I'm, I'm going with it. Apparently they're short. Each of the episodes are short. Um, they, they're a little humor. Cause I think that, you know, I'm, I like dry humor, but we, we can take a look at this and, and it's absurdity sometimes. And um, it, it makes it more relatable. And that's what I hear anyway. That's the feedback that I'm getting about it, but yes, um, check out the, the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. It's called, um, Two Sisters Speak, Surviving the Sandwich Generation. Well, we want to thank you for joining us. It has been an honor and a pleasure. We learn something every single time, so we value your knowledge and being on the ground for us. One of the things that we say here is peace of mind is in the power of planning and, and everything that you do you know, really embodies that. And so we, we appreciate you coming on with us tonight. Um, reach out to Michelle. She is clearly a, a wealth of knowledge. 
And thank you for joining us on Legacy Legal Live with Kendra O'Toole, Michelle Reed, and Elizabeth Caruso. Have a great night, and we will chat with you next week. Bye.